The summer of 98, right after Los Angeles, right before my senior year, was spent on a bit of a mental fast. Well, most of it, at least. If a song came on the radio that made me think of The Boy or L.A., I'd change the station. Unless it was to become one by the Spice Girls. I mean, I wasn't dead inside. I could kick this. This was a phase. A fluke after effect of a friendship I'd never known the likes of. If I thought about him, if I started to miss him, I packed it away. When a radio station, a real one, commercial, not college, in your hometown, actually, hired me and said I could start in the fall, I wanted the boy to be my next call. Instead, I saved the news. I'd tell him when we moved in together, or if he called on my birthday. He wouldn't miss that. I was sure he'd call. When the day finally came, after my dad bought me my first legal beer, after I sorted the mail for birthday cards, and just before a night of multicolored mixed drinks and cutesy-sounding shots that all tasted terrible, the call I'd been waiting for all summer came through. The boy came through. When I told him about my job, he reacted just the way I thought he would. He was over the moon. He had a job lined up, too. We were growing up. Moms and dads were good. I'd bring the TV. It was a quick call. I was cool. I played it very cool. I didn't want to keep him. I'd see him soon enough. I wondered if he noticed how cool I was. Denial is an anesthetic. With enough of it, you can numb yourself to anything. But eventually, it wears off. It wasn't a fluke or a phase. It wasn't something I could just unsubscribe to like A&F Quarterly, the Abercrombie & Fitch catalog. Softcore pornography shot in tasteful black and white for the discerning yet questioning college male. It's amazing. That was an actual thing. Every year in the final days of summer vacation, right through high school, I took inventory of what had changed and what was noticeable. I never liked it much, being noticed. In elementary school, my mother had to buy me the exact same red Snoopy lunchbox she had the year before. Not even Snoopy in blue. Something different would draw attention. I was a senior in college, and still, in the final days of summer vacation, I was taking inventory. This difference was different, though. I couldn't control it. I couldn't pick it off a shelf. Snoopy was not an option. It was He-Man, and I would have to deal with it. I'll tell you, the emotional diet, my fast from the summer, seemed to have worked. I was enjoying our friendship again. Things were good for most of that fall. Then, the boy met a girl. I stumbled to the kitchen one night for a quick drink and saw them kissing on the couch. On our couch, under the tapestry we picked out together. Yeah, we had a tapestry. I wasn't prepared. It was like the first time you get your heart broken and you think you're fine, that you're over him, until you see him dancing with someone else, and then the ceiling caves in. The only way to let him go, to release the crush, was through the power of cliché. Two clichés, actually. I had to admit to myself, he's just not that into you. And admit to him, it's not you, it's me. The frost would melt. I needed to say it, though. The first time I did say it, I was on my way to hang backstage with dreamy boy band sensation 98 Degrees. I have the ticket stub from December 2nd, 1998. Based on that information alone, there's an argument to be made that no further action was necessary. Nevertheless, 
I decided to tell my best friend. She was my person. We met in high school. I asked her to a dance. She said no. Now we were on our way to a concert. She'd met the boy. She thought he was cute, actually. She knew all about him. I put something festive on for the two-hour drive. A Santa hat, I think. I also put some festive music on. Then, halfway through, the most perfect Christmas album in existence, John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas Together, before I would have flipped the record as a kid, after the Goose is Getting Fat song, but before the gay apparel, I told her I was in love with the boy. She figured I was. She was my best friend. And she was perfect that night. Perfect. She'd be there for me, and then some. She agreed. I had to tell him. There were so many times after that night where I'd start the 12 feet to his bedroom door. But with 11 down and one to go, set to knock, set to ask, can we talk? I'd stop, frozen in fear, playing chicken with the knob, hoping it might flinch and twist first. It never did. And then that effing song. We were packing up for winter break and it came on. Joey McIntyre's Stay the Same. It was almost too perfect. Certainly a little more nail on the head for the moment than I would have chosen. I like a little nuance, maybe a metaphor. But sometimes the universe isn't subtle and you can't pick what gets played on the radio. (laughs) So you just fall to pieces. The stuff I packed up neatly and shelved over the summer. My fear and longing in Los Angeles. What I couldn't say in that journal. It all spilled out. These were not wasp tears either. You know, the kind you hide behind sunglasses sitting in traffic or blame on antihistamines and Sauvignon Blanc amongst casual company. These were Demi Moore in ghost tears. Pear-shaped and plump. And they were splashing on a snag in the wall-to-wall carpeting. I hate wall-to-wall carpeting. There was no way of changing the subject, though. Carpet or otherwise. This was all inertia. Two years' worth. And there was no stopping it. I saw the boy see me. I covered my face with both hands, wiping my eyes with the tips of my fingers. When I opened them, he was sitting next to me, on the bed. He was just there to listen, like he always was. After dancing around the subject about as gracefully as I actually dance, I stammered out that I like guys. I hadn't known how to tell him, I explained. And I was scared that if I did, he might walk away and never come back. I couldn't be sure. For the second time in my life, I'd said the words, I'm gay. And as I sat fixated on the carpet snag, I felt his arm around me. And like it was written for TV, it was that good. He said, well, I'm right here, aren't I? I never mentioned the crush. I didn't have to, really. Once I said it, it was gone. It melted away. It took us a minute, but by the time I had my first date with a guy, February 24th, the boy wanted to know all about him, who he was, and how we met, like a protective older brother. I know the date of the date because, as Ricky Martin was coming out onto the world stage at the 99 Grammy Awards, literally as it was happening, I was doing a little bit more than holding hands with my date. I'm a fast learner. At graduation, our eyes weren't just pink. They were wet. I still loved him, but it was a different kind of love. He was like a brother now. 
the kind I grew up with but didn't grow up with. I'm so grateful he was there. I really am. To this day, I wonder how different my life would be had he and I never met. When he called me six years later and asked me to be a groomsman in his wedding, I was in traffic, thankfully, alone, and the tears could flow freely from behind large sunglasses. The boy had met the girl, and she said yes. Her best friend would be a groomsman as well. He lived out in L.A. and had just broken up with his boyfriend. Certain that we'd hit it off, she introduced us. She introduced you and I. Over email. Around Memorial Day of 05. Your first phone call came the next day. And three months after that, on my birthday, I still don't know how you did it. I got a case of Kulakus. You really gotta love the 20-something metabolism. I ate almost that entire case in less than a week. I ate all but four. The wedding was Labor Day weekend. We both arrived the Thursday before. Your flight from LA first, then mine from Boston an hour later. When we finally met in person for the first time, you were waiting for me at baggage claim. You, your best friend, and the boy she was going to marry. Before I put the last of my bags in the trunk, I opened it and dug around until I felt those last four kulakus, the ones I didn't eat. I packed them in dry ice and brought them with me as a non-traditional toast to start the weekend. Damn, they were good. That was the last one. The last one I ever ate. Until a few weeks ago, when I found my journal from college, the one looking to get noticed, I hadn't thought much about them, or any of it, really. I never imagined it would become a sweet story or the start of another, of ours. All the angst and fear I'd felt has now been polished away by time. And after 22 years, what came out of the tumbler was nothing but nostalgia. The fondness you feel when you see an old picture, maybe of you or someone you know or used to know. I'm glad I noticed it. I'm glad it was noticeable. Maybe it's not such a bad thing being noticed.